every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I never told anybody to lie, not a single time, never. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack. America's not the same as it was 100 years ago. The violent mayhem we have seen in the streets and cities that are run by liberal Democrats. This is Our Lives in Politics. With your host, Booker, and co-host, Lou Basada. In 2016, the decision was made by Hillary Clinton to create the biggest lie ever in American politics. The Russian collusion story was a fabrication. Many of us knew then, and all of us should know by now, that it was just dirty politics. Years and years of fake investigations, impeachments, and election interference at the highest levels of our government have had a devastating result on our country. One political opponent used the full force of deep state operatives and the mainstream media to create an alternative reality for most people in this country. In a way, the Clinton campaign, the FBI, the New York Times, Washington Post, and other nefarious actors changed American history by creating their own history. John Durham investigated the origins of the Russian collusion story, or hoax, for four years. The result of the investigation was a guilty plea by FBI attorney Kevin Kleinsmith for lying on a FISA document that allowed the government to spy on Carter Page. Carter Page was working for Donald Trump in the campaign in 2016. Kleinsmith is now back to work. He didn't even lose his law license. There were a couple of other failed prosecutions by Durham, Clinton attorney Michael Sussman and Igor Danchenko. Both were only charged with lying to the FBI during the investigation of the Russian collusion hoax, and both of them were acquitted by a D.C. jury. And then there was the Durham report. It was released a couple of weeks ago, and it seems we've already really forgotten what was revealed. I'm Booker Scott, and thanks for joining me on America Out Loud Talk Radio or wherever you listen to your podcasts. In this hour, let's go back to revisit the Durham Report. And we'll also hear some testimony of John Durham when he testified in Congress this week. You know, Judicial Watch has done great work with so many FOIA requests, which, by the way, is the Freedom of Information Act. For years, they were on this story of Russian collusion. And Tom Fitton and his group have brought so much of the truth. If you're paying attention, much of what was revealed in the Durham report was already known by so many of us, and much of our knowledge came from the work and the efforts of Judicial Watch. Tom Fitton put this out on social media, on Twitter, this week. Quote, according to the Durham report, President Obama's CIA director John Brennan, then Vice President Joe Biden, former Attorney General Loretta Lynch, and the infamous former director of the FBI, James Comey, were briefed in August 2016 about the plan by Hillary Clinton and the DNC to create a false narrative linking President Trump to Russia. The FBI knew the Steele dossier was a sack of lies, and yet they still pushed false allegations in nefarious FISA warrant applications against Carter Page. They made it a point to try to crush Trump and those around him. It was purely political. 
banana republic effort to change the course of a presidential election and presidency. Many key Durham report findings were already disclosed thanks to Judicial Watch FOIA investigations and litigation. Durham let down the American people with few and failed prosecutions. Never in American history has so much government corruption forced so little accountability. Let me be clear. The FBI and Justice Department and their political masters in the Obama White House are responsible for the worst government corruption in American history. President Trump is a crime victim who was targeted by seditious conspiracy by Obama, Biden, Clinton, and their deep state allies. That is what Tom Fitton put out on social media this week. And here's a little more from Tom Fitton. The Durham reports out, it vindicates President Trump. He was the victim of a vicious, seditious conspiracy by Obama, Hillary, uh, their cronies in the Justice Department and the FBI and the CIA, etc. And of course, Joe knew as well. They all knew that there was no good faith-based reason to investigate him. The Russia hoax was made up by Hillary to keep herself out of jail. Durham put a lot of good information out there, including information already uncovered by Judicial Watch's heavy lifting uh, into this worst government corruption scandal in American history. On the other hand, the Durham investigation is a big fail in terms of prosecutions, only three prosecutions, two of which failed, one of which was a slap on the wrist. Never so much government corruption faced so little government accountability at the highest levels. So this week, John Durham goes before Congress in the Judiciary Committee and he testifies about what he found. He's going to be questioned by Democrats and Republicans. Let's start this hearing with Jim Jordan. Three years ago, in 11 months, July 24th, 2019, Bob Mueller sat in this room, in that chair, and told this committee, no collusion, no conspiracy, no coordination between President Trump and Russia. None. What the Democrats say? We don't care. We're going to keep going after President Trump. In fact, they didn't even wait one day. The next day, the phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky became the basis for their impeachment. Republicans said maybe, maybe instead of the never-ending attacks on President Trump, maybe the country would be better off if we figured out how the whole false Trump-Russia narrative started. After two and a half years of the Mueller investigation, 19 lawyers, 40 agents, $30 million, where they found nothing, maybe, maybe we should figure out how the whole lie started. That's exactly what Mr. Durham has done. Jim Jordan is the chair of this committee, and this is part of his opening statement. That was the beginning of it. I'm going to play you a little bit more in just a second. But what you're hearing there is that phone call with Zelensky and Trump the one that created the impeachment that now we are learning exactly what that phone call was about. And that was Trump questioning Zelensky about the Biden crime family and what they were doing in Ukraine. So you see how all of this is starting to tie together. Here's more of Jim Jordan. Nothing has changed, and frankly, they're never going to stop. Seven years of attacking Trump is scary enough. But what's more frightening, any one of us could be next. Parents at school board meetings are terrorists. Pro-life Catholics are extremists. Even journalists aren't safe. Not only do we have a two-tier justice system in this country, but we also have a weaponized government that is coming after Americans because they think a little bit different, 
because they have a different ideology. That is where this country is right now. It's scary times in America. What exactly did Durham find? Here's John Durham. Our findings were sobering. I can tell you, having spent 40 years plus as a federal prosecutor, they were particularly sobering to me. A number of my colleagues who uh, spent decades in the FBI themselves, they were sobering. While I'm encouraged by some of the reforms that have been implemented by the FBI, the problems identified in this report, anybody who actually reads the report and the details of the report, the documented portions of the report, I think would uh, find that... Um, the problems identified in the report are not susceptible to overnight fixes. There may be only one true way to fix what is happening at the FBI, and that's just doing away with the FBI. Yeah, I know, there are a lot of good people that work there. We hear that a lot, but we aren't getting very good results from the good people that work there. We see all these whistleblowers coming out. We'll see where that goes. Here's more of John Durham. It appears... From our investigation, the FBI leadership dismissed those concerns. Another aspect of our findings concerned the FBI's failure to sufficiently scrutinize information it received or to apply the same standards to allegations it received about the Clinton and Trump campaigns. As our report details, the FBI was uh, too willing to accept and use politically funded and uncorroborated uh, opposition research, such as the Steele dossier. The FBI relied on the dossier and FISA applications, knowing there was a likely um, material originating from a political campaign, a political opponent. It did so even after the President of the United States, the FBI and CIA directors and others received briefings about intelligence suggesting that there was a Clinton campaign plan underway to stir up a scandal tying Trump to Russia. Speaking of the good guys inside the FBI, it was interesting here what John Durham says about the, some of those people in the FBI that were apologetic, that were upset, and were sorry about what the FBI had done to Donald Trump. I have had um, any number of FBI agents um, who I've worked with over the years, some have retired, some are still in place, who have come to me and apologized for the manner in which uh, that investigation was undertaken. I take that seriously. These are good, hardworking, the majority of people in the FBI, decent human beings who swear to, uh, under their oaths to uh, abide by the law and, and the like. And uh, I think that, that uh, typifies, exemplifies of, uh, the, of the concern here. Um, there, is, uh, there are investigative activities undertaken or not undertaken here uh, which raised real concerns about whether or not the law was followed, the policies in place, the FBI were followed. So the result of all of this after seven years and a terrible, dirty political trick is more protocols. Maybe they broke some laws. Well, John Durham was the one that was responsible for finding any laws that were broken and bringing those people to accountability. All we can hope for are new policies and protocols. Here's Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana. Now, as the FBI and the DOJ have been turned into activated political weapons against citizens and even a former president because of their opposing viewpoints, sir, um, they failed to follow protocols in 2016, and you suggested new protocols may somehow be affixed to this. How can the American people have confidence 
that if they didn't follow, follow protocols in 2016, that they will do protocols. And I think that's why um, I said that in the opening remarks, you know, this is not an easy fix. I mean, it's going to take time uh, to rebuild the public's confidence in the institution. The changes of the forms they have made are certainly changes that are going to guard to some extent against the repeat of what happened in Crossfire Hurricane. As you'll remember, it was Crossfire Hurricane, the name of the investigation with Donald Trump and the Russian collusion. It started in July of 2016. I believe it was July 31st, 2016. Earlier, I mentioned John Brennan at the beginning of August in 2016. He informed everyone that Hillary Clinton and her campaign, Mark Elias and all the others, were going to pull this trick on Donald Trump. It was political opposition is all it was. And our federal government, our agencies, the FBI in particular, ran with this thing, started an investigation July of 2016, and here we sit today. Here's more of Representative Mike Johnson. Um, you wrote in your report, quote, based on the evidence gathered in the multiple exhaustive and costly federal investigations of these matters, including the instant investigation, neither U.S. law enforcement nor the intelligence community appears to have possessed any actual evidence of collusion in their holdings at the commencement of the Crossfire investigation. To date, has any evidence of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia ever been uncovered? I mean, there is, there is information, obviously, in the um, report that was prepared by Director Mueller uh, and whatnot. But as uh, to collusion or conspiracy, I'm not aware of any. So there was no collusion. There was no conspiracy. Yet, that's not what we heard from people like Adam Schiff. That's not what we heard from MSNBC. That's not what we heard from CNN. What we read in the papers, in the New York Times, in the Washington Post, what was spread all over this country was Russian collusion with Donald Trump over and over and over again. You know, if you say something enough, it becomes the truth. If you repeat a lie over and over and over again, people believe it. And that's what has happened in this country. That's what has happened in this case. It's all lies. It was lies from the beginning. Our government knew it. John Brennan knew it. The FBI knew it. Peter Strzok knew it. James Comey knew it. They all knew it was a lie. Joe Biden, Obama, Loretta Lynch, they all knew this was a lie from the beginning. And yet it continued on for years and years. As a result, what has it done to our country? Divided us further? For what purpose? But going back to the beginning of the Russian collusion, there was the Christopher Steele dossier. Remember that? As it turns out, there was a guy by the name of Charles Dolan. Charles Dolan, a longtime associate of the Clintons, gave information to a guy named Igor Danchenko. Igor Danchenko then gave that information to Christopher Steele. Steele produced this document, a dossier, that was the opposition research, which was paid for. And it was paid for, ultimately, it was Mark Elias who did the transaction with uh, Perkins Coie, the law firm. That's the, the Steele dossier that got all of this going. Later on, there was Michael Sussman and the Alpha Bank lie that there was an Alpha Bank server inside Trump Tower. So there were two streams of lies that were going on in, in this operation that was put on by the DNC and Hillary Clinton. None of it was true. At this point, it doesn't matter because over half the country probably still believes that it is true. Also, over half the country believes that we have a two-tier justice system and we can't trust our agencies anymore. So let's get into some of the meat of this. What role did the Clinton campaign play in this hoax? 
Um, the Clinton campaign um, um, funded the work, the opposition research that was done by Fusion GPS, and GPS um, uh, paid Mr. Steele uh, for the uh, dossier. And, and who in the Clinton campaign uh, approved that relationship? Um, well, we uh, lay some of that out uh, in the in the report. I think it was um, uh, Mr. Elias, who was general counsel uh, to the campaign, who um, engaged the services of G uh, Fusion GPS. Mr. Jordan referenced the Clinton plan intelligence. Uh, exactly what was the Clinton plan? Um, based on declassified documents in the, in the public record, there was intelligence information that um, was received uh, at virtually the same time that the information came from um, from the Australians, I mean, within a day or two. Uh, that intelligence in, included information that there was a, a purported plan um, designed by um, one of Mrs. Clinton's foreign policy advisors uh, to create a scandal tying Donald Trump uh, to the Russians. That's the essence of the uh, intelligence as contained in the uh, declassified. You know, Jim Jordan mentioned earlier, and I played it for you, from his opening statement about the Democrats and how they spent all of the time, the effort, the money in investigations and hearings on Capitol Hill uh, when Nancy Pelosi was in charge and they had the gavel. And it was a big waste of time and money, but it still had the, the result that they wanted, which was uh, destroying Donald Trump and his ability to uh, be president again. And that's what this has all been about. We see the new indictments that are coming down on Donald Trump now. Let's go to a question pointed at John Durham about some of these Democrats that are on this very committee and listening to this question. Well, Mr. Schiff in 2017-2018 made statements such as, the Russians offered help, the campaign accepted help, the Russians gave help, and the president made full use of that help. And that is pretty damning. He also said there's clear evidence on the issue of collusion. He said, I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight. Mr. Durham, are those statements supported by the conclusions of the Mueller report? No. Mr. Durham, are those statements supported by the Mueller report? I don't believe so. Mr. Nadler stated, it's clear that the campaign concluded and there's a lot of evidence of that. The question is, was the president involved? Mr. Nadler also said there was obviously a lot of collusion. Uh, Mr. Durham, were those statements supported by the Mueller report? I don't believe they are supported by the Mueller report. Mr. Liu stated uh, in a press release in March of 2017, the bombshell revelation that U.S. officials have information that suggests Trump associates may have colluded, colluded with the Russians means we must pause the entire Trump agenda. We may have an illegitimate president of the United States currently occupying the White House. Uh, Mr. Durham, did the Mueller report establish that we had an illegitimate president occupying the White House? Not to my knowledge. Mr. Swalla stated in 2018, in our investigation, we saw strong evidence of collusion. Did the Mueller report support that there was strong evidence of collusion? Not to my knowledge. At the beginning of that clip, you could hear Adam Schiff trying to stop that question. He didn't want that question to be asked of John Durham for his embarrassment. Speaking of Adam Schiff, he was censured in Congress. The 118th Republican Congress actually censured him this week. What does that mean? It just means it's a statement of disapproval. There's nothing else with that. There is no teeth to a censure. 
but it does bring attention to the fact that Adam Schiff lied all of these years about Russian collusion, which tarnished Trump's presidency, which continues to tarnish Trump today because half the country still believes there was Russian collusion that Trump was in bed with Russia. It wasn't the case. It was a Hillary Clinton lie. That's what it was. I mentioned some names earlier. Peter Strzok of the FBI. There was James Comey. There was also Andrew McCabe, a name I have not mentioned in this half hour, but he was heavily involved. Of course, he replaced James Comey when Comey was let go from the FBI. Here is what John Durham said about these people that refused to be interviewed by John Durham. First, let me make it clear that... um it is um, as disappointing, perhaps more disappointing to me and my uh, colleagues, that these people would not agree to be interviewed. Um, I know some of them had a lot to say publicly, but they refused to um, uh, be interviewed by our folks. So while we have a picture of what happened, we know what happened now. There is no accountability, and I guess they just refused to be interviewed, so we're okay with that. Matt Gates will come with a line of questioning in just a few minutes that I'll play for you where he blistered John Durham for this very thing. Before that, I'm going to go to Congresswoman Hageman, and she is the replacement for Liz Cheney. This was a great trade for the Republicans. You had Liz, Liz Cheney that worked on the January 6th committee for the Democrats. She lost her election in the primary to this woman. Experts in the CIA, FBI, NSA, and other agencies had no evidence of any kind of relationship between Mr. Trump and Putin or Russia was irrelevant to the FBI. And the fact that there was no verifiable evidence, such as testimony, documents, videos, or recordings of Russian collusion, was irrelevant to the FBI. Nothing, and I repeat, nothing that the FBI did was designed to show that Donald J. Trump was a Russian asset. That wasn't the purpose of the entire charade. How do I know this is true? Because they told us so. The very people who cooked this up and the ones who ran this entire operation. Strzok, Lisa Page, Andrew McCabe, Kleinsmith, Steele, the DNC, Perkins Coy. It was never their purpose to prove Russian collusion. And in fact, from the very beginning, they knew that no such thing actually existed. They knew that the entire Russian collusion narrative was fabricated by the Clinton campaign to deflect attention from her mishandling of classified materials and destruction of official emails. But they didn't need to prove Russian collusion. They just had to keep the investigation alive. And so long as they had a complicit press, and so long as they had people in this very body who has been here, one of the gentlemen who has been here much of the day, who would go on TV every night and lie about the smoking gun, they could further their personal and, personal and political agendas. But no, the purpose of Crossfire Hurricane wasn't to prove Russian inclusion. It was to destroy Donald J. Trump. And they told us that with the text messages that are set forth on page 49 and 51 of your report, 49 and 50 of your report. And then, if they failed at blocking Mr. Trump from being elected as president, well, they had a backup plan. They had their insurance policy to use Strzok's terminology, which was to make it impossible for him to govern, to use whatever tools were available to taint his presidency, the legitimacy of his election, his ability to work with foreign leaders, and to make everything about Russia, Russia, Russia. And I want to make one more final point on Crossfire Hurricane. Before I go to Matt Gates. I also want to play uh, Hank Johnson, the Democrat. And I want, to, I want to play his questioning before we finish this half hour. 
Well, let's go to this questioning of John Durham. I believe it's concise and it really lets you hear and know exactly what happened. The FBI did not have an adequate basis on which to launch Crossfire Hurricane, correct? That's correct. The FBI failed to examine all available exculpatory evidence, correct? Correct. FBI leadership continued the investigation even when case agents were unable to verify the evidence, correct? That's correct. The FBI did not interview key witnesses in Crossfire Hurricane, correct? Correct. And individuals within the FBI abused their authority under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, correct? Correct. You almost have to ask yourself exactly whose team, whose side is the FBI on? Are they on the side of the American people, we the people, or are they on the side of government and the power? I think the, I think the answer is uh, pretty clear after the last five, six, seven years. We have seen what the FBI is capable of. Are we ever going to be able to rein it in? And as a result of all of this, is there ever going to be any accountability? It doesn't appear so. Here's Matt Gates, and he spent five minutes blistering John Durham and the lack of accountability in this report. Who gave the order on the Mueller team to, to wipe the phones? Yeah, that was not something that we were um, asked to look at. And we didn't no, look that's at. not true, Mr. Durham. That is not true because I'm holding the document that authorizes your activity, and it specifically says the investigation of special counsel Robert Mueller. It's in par- Mr. Chairman, I seek unanimous consent to enter into the record the order that says that you're supposed to inter- investigate these things. And so, like, whether it's the Mueller team, Mifsud, how about Azra Turk? Azra Turk, what's Azra Turk's real name? Do you know that? I'm not going to be disclosing the names of FBI personnel that are oh, otherwise unavailable. But, but an FBI, so the FBI sends somebody to go honeypot George Papadopoulos. Who gave the order to do that? I think that's beyond the scope of what's in the report. It's literally the scope of what your charging order is. Who put it in motion? We get after it was put in motion, the FBI did a bunch of wrong and corrupt things. Totally understand. We're trying to deal with that. But when you are part of the cover-up, Mr. Durham, mm-hmm. then it makes our job harder. Yeah, well, if that's your thought, I mean, there's no way of dissuading you from that. I can tell you that it's offensive and that the people who worked on this investigation have spent their lives trying to protect the people in this country and pursue within the law what it is that we we are authorized to do. You tried two cases, lost both of them, and then the one plea, guilty plea you got, Kleinsmith, Kleinsmith is back to practicing law in Washington, D.C. today. That's beyond my control. Right, but but the the fact that you allowed that plea to occur and and then the punishment was insufficient, the fact that you you didn't charge Andrew McCabe, you didn't convict the lying Democrats or the lying Russians, you didn't investigate Mifsud or the Mueller probe, even though, as we sit here today in black letter, that was your charge. Have you ever heard of the Washington Generals? The Washington Generals? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he just asked him about the Washington Generals. If you don't know, the Washington Generals are the basketball team that play the Harlem Globetrotters every game. And every game they get beat. They may have beat them once. I don't, I don't remember. But I believe they did beat them once. But the Washington Generals, uh, their only job is to lose, which is the job of the American people in every one of these investigations in a two-tiered justice system. And I'm going to take a break right now, but we'll be back with more of Our Lives and Politics here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years. Brush, floss, repeat. 
We're told to use fluoride, which doesn't really address the acid-creating bacteria. That is where the dentist-recommended Spry Dental Defense System shines. Spry products contain xylitol, a natural sugar, which helps get rid of those nasty, smelly, acid-creating bacteria in our mouth. The best way to care for your teeth and gums is by using Spry. The Spry Dental Defense System has a wide variety of products, toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and chewing gums that are designed to work together to keep your teeth clean and mouth healthy and smelling sweet all day long. To get your oral care back on track in an easy, effective, and very tasty way, switch to Spry today. Ask your dentist about Xylitol and the Spry products. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural product retailers. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix Rex nasal solution cleanse. That's C-O-F-I-X-R-X.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at CofixRx.com. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. It was Henry Wadsworth Longfellow that said, lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. Listening to Our Lives in Politics on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm Booker Scott. Thanks a lot for joining us. And my frustration continues to grow almost daily with more information coming out about the Biden crime family. We just heard a half hour there of the Durham investigation and the lies that Hillary Clinton told and the weaponization of the FBI, what they did to Donald Trump. And then more whistleblowers are coming out from the IRS. You know, Hunter Biden was indicted this week. A couple of small charges, one on a gun-related charge, and he will never serve any time. It's going to be over with. I don't know what we could expect from that anyway, with the Department of Justice uh, being Merrick Garland and underneath Joe Biden. At least we did get somewhat of a win that he was indicted to begin with. But there is so much more coming out right now, almost daily. I said it a minute ago. 
Just Thursday afternoon, Jason Smith, who is the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee in Congress, came out with a press conference of some damaging information about a couple of whistleblowers with the IRS. Here is Jason Smith. Not one, but two IRS employees are blowing the whistle with evidence that the federal government is not treating taxpayers equally when enforcing tax laws. The whistleblowers were working on an investigation into Hunter Biden that opened in November of 2018 as an offshoot of a separate corporate investigation by the IRS. Let me emphasize, this was an investigation in the ordinary course of work at the IRS. It was not ordered by any individual, any chairman, or any political entity. The testimony we released today shows the IRS recommended charges against Hunter Biden that included attempt to evade or defeat tax, a felony, fraud or false statements, a felony, and willful failure to file returns, supply information, or pay tax. These tax crimes cover an estimated 2.2 million in unreported tax on global income streams to Mr. Biden and his associates from Ukraine, Romania, and China, totaling 17.3 million from 2014 to 2019. Mr. Biden personally received $8.3 million. Now put this information together with the other information that came out from Congress a few weeks ago. Remember all the shell companies that the Bidens had? The $10 million that allegedly came from Ukraine? And now we hear $17.3 million to the Bidens. More importantly, we hear about the felonies that the IRS wanted to charge Hunter Biden with. What happened? The Department of Justice. They, they shut that down, didn't they? The depositions were released from these IRS whistleblowers late in the week. On December 10th, 2020, the prosecution team met again. One piece of information that came out of the day of action was that Hunter Biden vacated the Washington, D.C. office of Owasco. His documents all went into a storage unit in Northern Virginia. This is important. The IRS prepared an affidavit in support of a search warrant for that unit, but the assistant U.S. attorney, Wolf, once again objected to that. We move on further in this deposition. The special agent in charge and I scheduled a call with the United States Attorney Weiss on December 14th, again 2020, just to talk about the specific issue. United States Attorney Weiss agreed that if the storage unit wasn't assessed for 30 days, we could execute a search warrant on it. And no sooner had we gotten off the call than we heard that the Assistant U.S. Attorney Wolf had simply reached out to Hunter Biden's defense and told him about the storage unit. So what happened? They went and cleared out the storage unit so there was nothing to find later in a search warrant. It is definitely a two-tiered justice system we have. One more thing I want to read to you that came out of this deposition. This is a WhatsApp communication, and this is Hunter Biden. I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. And Z, 
If I get a call or a text from anyone involved in this other than you or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. That is a WhatsApp communication from Hunter Biden sitting with Joe Biden, putting the pressure on someone to make a payment. On this vote, the yeas are 219, the nays are 208. The resolution is adopted. Without objection, the motion reconsiders laid on the table. With the passage of House Resolution 529 today, the House is taking historic action. For the first time in 24 years, a House Republican-led majority is moving forward with impeachment proceedings against a current president. So there you have Lauren Boebert, whose impeachment has passed the House of Representatives. What does that mean? It means it's going to go forward to a couple of more committees, and at least she is trying to do something. The interesting part is... She's not impeaching over all the China mess on all the millions of dollars, which I believe that the testimony and the hearings will get into that as this goes forward. But right now, she's more concerned about the southern border and what has happened there. That is what this impeachment is about. The National Border Patrol Union even noted that the leadership of the Biden administration are, quote, straight up liars. They even said, quote, we'd say they should be ashamed, but that implies they have a conscience. This is the most corrupt administration in U.S. history. So we'll just have to see where that ends up going. It's going to take a while. But more and more truth is coming out every day. I've said it for months and months, probably seven months now. I don't believe Joe Biden will ever make it to be the nominee or the candidate for the Democrats in 24. I believe that's going to be Gavin Newsom, but we'll have to watch. We'll watch and see these proceedings as it goes through a couple of committees here on this impeachment. I mentioned in the first half of this hour that Adam Schiff was censured in Congress. If you weren't keeping up with that, it was brought before the House uh, last week, and about 20 Republicans decided not to vote for it, which killed it. And the reason why they didn't vote for the censure, because there was a $16 million fine attached to that. And I guess Thomas Massey of Kentucky didn't want to set that precedent. So he went against it, and he was very vocal about it. He wasn't alone. There were 19 others with him. So the representative, Anna Paulina Luna, is the one that put forth the measure to be voted for to censure Adam Schiff. She was endorsed by Donald Trump. So it went to the House for the vote. It ultimately was won. But what happened in the House of Representatives in this was a lot of talking back and forth between the Democrats and Republicans. I know. What's what's new about that? Nothing. But I thought it was interesting. Uh, Nancy Pelosi. And I want you to hear what Nancy Pelosi said. And for said. his great presentation today. Today we are on the floor of the House where the other side has turned this this chamber where Slavery was abolished, where Medicare and Social Security and everything were instituted. They've turned it into a puppet show. A puppet show. That's Nancy Pelosi saying the Republicans have turned the House and the government into a puppet show. Nancy Pelosi is saying that after her reign of terror with the gavel over the last two years. And you know what? The puppeteer, Donald Trump, is shining a light on the strings. You look miserable. 
<laughs> you look miserable. The only advantage to all of this is that instead of reversing what we did on the IRA to save the planet or saving reversing planet. what we did to reduce She's, the cost Nancy Pelosi is saving the planet now. You believe that? She just keeps talking. They're trying to shut her up now. Her time has expired. Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump is the puppet master, and he's pulling all the strings, according to Nancy Pelosi. The gentleman from- about Donald Trump, this is about holding accountability for someone who exploited their official position, had access to information that most members of Congress do not have access to, and bringing accountability back to the American people. So regardless of whatever the gentlewoman from California says or anyone else, you guys are not being honest about the focus of this resolution and this censure. And that is exactly why we're here today to debate it out. Again, that is Anna Paulina Luna, Florida 13, House of Representatives Congresswoman there. And she is the one that put forth that censure. And there it seems to be a lot of busy work going on in Congress right now with the Republicans. What will actually happen? Because a censure means absolutely nothing other than a statement of disapproval. And then Lauren Boebert, going back to her impeachment of Joe Biden. You know they're going to carry that forward to a couple of different committees. Yet when you look at what she's trying to impeach him for, the border, and she calls it a dereliction of duty, that really isn't an impeachable offense. We went through all of this with Donald Trump several years ago. Impeachment means high crimes and misdemeanors, treason, and dereliction of duty, doing a bad job is not an impeachable offense. So ultimately, that's probably not going to go anywhere. But while we're talking about impeachment, let's let's really look at something that should that should be addressed. And and I've said it for months and months. And that's Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, and what he has done because he has done some impeachable offenses. He lied under oath in Congress. And when you look at what's happening in the border, it's a mess. So ultimately, he should be removed from office. He should be impeached by Congress. It should go before the Senate. And the Senate does have enough information to actually impeach Mayorkas. But here we are three months later, and nothing has been done. And I say three months later because I did a show on this, and I played uh, some audio clips from congressional hearings. I'm going to play that for you again. It's just a couple of minutes. But I want you to hear this lie from Mayorkas. And why are the Republicans not going after Mayorkas right now? And I, I know I know that ultimately he would not be removed, or maybe he would. And if he were removed, he would just be replaced with someone else by Joe Biden, who's probably as bad. But let's take a listen. Let's listen to this, because Alejandro Mayorkas lied under oath. Does DHS have operational control of our entire border? No, sir. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, I'd like to share it with the American people. This is the actual definition of operational control that is in the code, written into the code well before I came to Congress, the definition. And I appreciate the honesty of Chief Ortiz. What you can't see there is what Representative Mark Green put up for everyone to see. I'm going to read it to you now. This is the operation control definition. In this section, the term operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists, other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. 
So that's the definition of it. You just heard there that Chief Ortiz said and testified under oath that they do not have operational control. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control? Yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have operational control of the borders. Yes, we do. And- That's Congressman Chip Roy. He is questioning in another hearing at another time, Mayorkas, right there. He's lying under oath. Let's continue on with the questioning with Mark Green to Chief Ortiz. Chief Ortiz, do you think that uh, Secretary Mayorkas is lying there? Sir, when you talk about operational control, about 10 years ago, we used operational control as a measuring stick of our effectiveness along the southwest border. Uh, my new strategy is geared towards um, uh, mission advantage. So, you you know, I, I, I'm asking a very specific question, yes, and I, I, you're, you're kind of describing how, how, how the goalpost has been moved because of the mass waves of people that are coming. My question, you heard the secretary. He said we have operational control. That's the definition of operational control. Based upon the definition you have, sir, up there, no. We don't have operational control. No, sir. But is Secretary Mariuk's line? I don't. I didn't see the rest of the testimony there, sir. He so was at. You, you saw. He was asked if we had question. operational control, and he said yes. I, I think it's either it's either ignorance, which is unacceptable, or it's lying. And I think we all can agree that it may be both. It is a lie, and probably is a lot of ignorance as well. But you can see that Mayorkas is low-hanging fruit when it comes to impeachment. And if the Republicans really want to do something. To make a difference in the country, I would start there, not with Joe Biden yet. But there's some things that we can get into with Joe Biden, and we're going to in just a second because I want to go back to where I started this half hour. And where I started this half hour was with Hunter Biden and the information that's coming out with the House Ways and Means and the money associated with the Biden crime family. Let's get into this just a little bit as we end this hour. I mentioned Attorney Weiss, who is a U.S. attorney. He was appointed by Donald Trump to investigate Hunter Biden, and, and this investigation has gone on for years. Again, let's connect some dots here. Let's go back to the IRS whistleblowers that I started talking about in this half hour. Those whistleblowers came out on their own, separate from what Weiss has done in his work. Again, Hunter Biden was indicted on a couple of small charges. He'll never serve any time. It's a slap on a wrist. It's it's injustice is what it is. There is so much more to the Hunter Biden story, and we know that. Are we ever going to have any accountability? We'll see where this goes because this is boiling up at this point. A lot of information is coming out, and again, I will say that the reason why I believe that we are seeing so much of this is because ultimately Gavin Newsom, it will be the candidate for the Democrats in 2024. It's not going to be Joe Biden. They're moving him out. But now back to David Weiss, the appointed attorney, U.S. attorney from Donald Trump. He is doing this investigation into Hunter Biden. And U.S. attorney David Weiss was denied the right to bring charges against Hunter Biden. This is important because the head of the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland, testified under oath differently. So, again, if we're going to talk about impeachment of people in the Biden administration, let's look at Mayorkas. Let's look at Merrick Garland. Again, U.S. Attorney David Weiss, he was denied the right to bring charges against Hunter Biden by Biden-appointed U.S. attorneys in both Washington, D.C. and in California when he applied for a special counsel status 
to override the obstruction that he was denied by Merrick Garland. He wanted to be a special counsel so that he could do more. The scope could be larger in what he was investigating under Hunter Biden. Yet he was denied that special counsel. So he goes to other jurisdictions. Remember, Hunter Biden lived in California. So that would be a jurisdiction under a U.S. attorney. David Weiss does not have the authority to go from Delaware, where he was, to another jurisdiction under the U- a U.S. attorney. So he asked for permission, and he was denied that. So his investigation was thwarted. Now let's see what Merrick Garland testified to under oath three months ago. As the committee well knows from my confirmation hearing, I promise uh, to leave. I promised to leave the matter of Hunter Biden in the hands of the U.S. attorney. Uh, for the District of Delaware, who was appointed uh, in the previous administration. So any information like that should have gone uh, or should or should have uh, gone to that U.S. attorney's offices and the FBI squad that's working uh, with him. I have pledged not to interfere uh, with that investigation, and I uh, have carried through on my pledge. In April 2022, you testified to Senator Haggerty uh, that The Hunter Biden investigation was insulated from political interference because it was assigned to, as you just now told me, to the Delaware attorney's office. However, that could be misleading because without special counsel authority, he could need permission uh, of another U.S. attorney in certain circumstances to bring charges outside the district of uh, Delaware. I'd like clarification from you with respect to these concerns. Uh, the, the U.S. attorney in Delaware has been uh, advised that he has full authority uh, to, to make those kind of uh, referrals that you're talking about or to bring cases in other jurisdictions if he feels it's necessary. And I will assure that if he does, uh, he will be able to do that. Does the Delaware U.S. attorney lack independent charging authority over certain criminal allegations against the president's son outside of the district of Delaware? Um, he would have to bring, if it's in another district, he would have to bring the case in another district. But as I said, uh, I have promised to ensure that he's able to carry out uh, his investigation and that he be able to run it. And if he uh, needs to bring it in another jurisdiction, he will have full authority to do that. But that isn't what happened. We now know that. That's what is alleged from these whistleblowers and testimony. We are seeing all of this truth come out. And we hear there that Chuck Grassley obviously knew exactly what he was asking. That testimony was three months ago. Chuck Grassley has known about this for a while. You can tell that he was setting a trap there for Merrick Garland. What will they do with the trap that was set now that they caught Merrick Garland in that lie? It's obvious that this country is in the middle of a two-tier justice system. It isn't equal for all people. The law doesn't apply to everyone. The elites, the globalists, the the Democrats, the, the leftists, the liberals, there are one set of rules for them, and then there are other rules for everyone else. A country can't exist like that. We can't keep going like this. I'm going to play Harriet Hageman. Again, she was Liz Cheney's replacement. I played for you a little bit of what she said in the Durham investigation earlier in this hour. But listen to her here. And how has this corruption and rot manifested itself in our everyday lives, in our national culture, in our ability to solve the problems we are facing? It has destroyed some of the key foundations of this country. 
a foundation built on equal protection, on the belief that justice is blind, on the belief that you will be held accountable if you commit a fraud of the magnitude of what we have been discussing here today, on the belief that due process, justice, and constitutional rights are more than mere words. It has left a smoldering hot volcanic mess where the soul of this country used to be. A smoldering hot mess where this country used to be. That's where we are. A smoldering hot mess. She stated it perfectly there. Marco Rubio recently said uh, some interesting things, and I, I want to play that, play that for you right now because I think he puts it in great context where our country is. We see that President Trump can get indicted for any, almost anything. He got indicted for classified documents. Guess what? Joe Biden has classified documents. He had them at the UPenn Center, the Biden Center at University of Pennsylvania. He had them in his garage. He had them at his house. And nothing is being done there. Yet Donald Trump, a former president, had classified documents. And he's being indicted. They put it on a fast track to get him charged and hopefully put him in prison. That is their goal, to keep him from running for the presidency in twenty four. It's all political. That's not what this country is about. Anyway, here's Marco Rubio. The decline started right after the Cold War because it's like, okay, we're the only unipolar power on the planet. We can do whatever we want. We can, we can undertake a cultural hysteria, a ridiculous cultural hysteria that plays out. We had a lady or a man uh, that now claims to be a lady, you know, going topless at the White House two days ago at a, at a pride celebration thing. I mean, we can do whatever we want. We can be as decadent as we want in our society and our culture. We can break our politics. We can take our institution and weaponize them for political purposes on both sides. You think the sense here? The next Republican president is going to be under tremendous pressure to bring charges and indict Joe Biden, his family, his crackhead son, whoever. The pressure is going to be extraordinary. They're going to turn us into, so we're, we're decadent and we're in decline because we, are, we thought we could do anything we wanted with our economy. We could send our jobs and factories overseas, break our politics, break our culture, break our society. We don't need parents. We don't need neighborhood. We don't need family anymore. All these crazy ideas. And now reality's catching up and it's hurting us badly. And today is frankly just a symptom of a much bigger problem, which we talk about here. And that is we no longer live in that world. And that is so true from Senator Marco Rubio. We no longer live in that world, but maybe there is hope. We do live in a two-tiered justice system. And this country has got to stop that. The political weaponization of our institutions, our three-letter agencies, the Department of Justice, the FBI, it has to stop. It has to stop going after people to try to find crimes and actually try to protect us. Jim Jordan said this in his opening statements in the Durham investigation, that most Americans don't believe in our justice system anymore. And they believe that it's a two-tiered justice system. 60% of Americans now believe there's a double standard at the Justice Department. You know why they believe that? Because there is. You know, all of this mess can get kind of depressing. It's, it's a lot to take in. There's so many bad things that are happening in our country. From homelessness to the death at the border. And death with fentanyl, which is also part of the border. It, it, it's bad times here for the United States of America. And even greater than that, so many places in the world are struggling right now and going through similar things that the country is here in America. Hang in there. Keep the hope. Keep, keep pushing forward. A big part of pushing forward and, and keeping the hope and, and trying to turn this country around 
will be to spread the truth and spread the information. Our government has weaponized big tech, social media. It's so much harder to get that truth out to people. But for those of you that are listening here on America Out Loud Talk Radio or listening on a podcast, make sure that you use independent journalists. Make sure you go to AmericaOutloud.com and look at the information. Share that information because there are great contributors on this platform and other platforms all over this country that are doing great work to share the truth and spread information. And you're a big part of that also. The truth has to come out. The truth is needed, and this country has to turn around. Or it's going to just be too late for all of us. And the hopes and dreams that we had as children, our children won't have those same dreams and those same hopes. Our grandchildren will live in a completely different place. Our country is at that spot right now. It's a pivotal point in American history and in world history. My name is Booker Scott, and thank you so much for listening to Our Lives in Politics. And thank you for being the best part of America Out Loud Talk Radio. Remember, salt without flavor, it has no value at all. They just threw it on the ground to be stepped on, but you are the salt of the earth, so be salty. You've been listening to Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network.